that's okay. And anyway, anyway, hallelujah. Welcome to Eldad. You know, uh, last week we looked at the, the setting apart of Paul and Barnabas for missions work. Oh, look, here we got a title. We would have the scripture today, but this, I was struggling with the technology after, after saying what I've just said. Um, yeah, so you'll need to look this up and, and we'll, I'll read it to you in a moment or two. But last week we looked at, at this time when... Um, the church in Antioch was praying, and they were fasting, and they were seeking God. And it was a wonderful time in, in their lives because God had brought all of these people from all over the world, from all of these different cultures, just like here. Come on, Jesus, yes. And all of a sudden, they were, they, they were equipped you know, the, the, the guy called Barnabas, we're going to talk about him in a moment. He'd been to different places and he'd got all of his amazing team together. And they were, they'd built this fabulous group of people uh, to serve God. And then the Holy Spirit speaks to them and says, I want you to set apart. I love that. Set apart Paul. And I want you to set apart Barnabas. And I want these guys to go and uh, preach the gospel to the Gentiles. And it was all like so. It was obviously powerful. And, you know, we looked at that last week. And, and today we're going to look as they, they get on with it, as they hit the road. As they set off on their journey. I was chatting to a, a friend of mine who, when he moved to Guernsey, uh, he, <laughs> he, he liked driving, yeah? So in his first week in Guernsey, he clocked a thousand miles. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. He, he clocked a thousand miles. How, do you know how many miles of road there are in Guernsey? Do you know how many there are? Do you know? How many do you think? No, it's less than that. There's 260 miles. I just Googled it. Just before I left, a five-star review for our church. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, 260, I'm surprised it was so little. So the, I, I don't think he did every road twice, or four times that would be, wouldn't it? Four times. But, uh, you know, he did a lot. Well, he did lots of the roads many times, didn't he? Yeah. Because he wanted to get to know this beautiful island that he now lived on. And I, was, I, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. You did a 1,000 miles in your first week. And he said, yeah, I would, I would get up first thing in the morning. I'd get in my car and just drive. I was amazed by that. I thought, wow, he was so determined to, to get to know this place, this new place that he'd come to live in. He would spend all day, every day, driving. And, and he says to me, he says, you could literally put me in any lane on this island. I'd know where I was. He says, I might not know the names, but does anyone? <laughs> but he'd know where he was. And I thought, well, do you know, I, I like that idea of getting to know this new place that you're living in. And I think in a very real way, 
uh, Paul and Barnabas, once they had received this call upon their lives and they'd been set apart to, to go and take the gospel to the ends of the earth, that they just wanted to get on with it and be diligent and thorough and go and begin to get to know this new world that they inhabited, this new place that they inhabited. And for us, as, as brothers and sisters, I've got some scriptures I really do need to read to you. When we decide to follow Jesus Christ, it's not just a new island. It's, it's a new world. It's a new universe that you inhabit. The world is totally different. Just for some of you, you don't all have to put your hands up, but you, you know, if you really felt that your world changed forever when you put your faith in Jesus, just put your hands up now. I know that not everybody gets that straight away, but if you felt it did, just put your hands up. It's a few of us hands. World changed forever. And how exciting it is to get to know that new world. And that's what Paul, or Saul at this stage, that's really quite important. Saul and Barnabas are doing at this stage. Anyway, let me read some scriptures to you. If you can uh, tear yourselves from leaving a five or four or three star review, Possibly two, and depending on this sermon, maybe one. Uh, review uh, for our church. If you could turn with me to Acts chapter 13, and I'm going to start reading from verse uh, 4. The two of them, that's, that's Saul and Barnabas, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and... Uh, uh, sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. They traveled through the whole uh, island until they came to Pathos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul, Sergius Paulus. The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, it's interesting, there's a little transition happening there, uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elymas and said, you are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery, 
Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to be blind, and for a time you will be unable to see the light of the sun. Immediately mist and darkness came over him and groped about seeking someone to lead him by the hand. When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed for he was amazed at the teaching about the law. And we'll finish with this verse, because I think it's really important. From Pathos, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga in Pamphylia. It's just a tiny little transition. We might have a chance to look into it a little bit more later. But we started that. It was Barnabas and Saul, wasn't it? Barnabas and Saul. Now Saul, about halfway through, then it says, then Saul, who was also called Paul, I guess. And then at the end of that, it says, from Paphos, Paul and his companions. Do you see there's something happened there? At the start of this passage, it's Barnabas who's the boss. At the end of this, it's Paul who's the boss. It's interesting, isn't it? I think that's interesting. Do you know what's happened when these people have set out on the journey that God has called them to? They've changed. They have changed. All of a sudden, Paul has become who God wants him to be. That's what's happened. Even uh, in the, just this short period from the start of them setting out, and then just in a few verses, they, he has completely transformed. Rather than being sort of not quite the attendant, but he's uh, is the assistant to Barnabas, all of a sudden he's... I'm, I'm calling the shots here, yes? And, and let me just make this really clear. Although transitions are hard, Barnabas is a, was always the sort of guy who encouraged and wanted to see de, uh, leaders' development. As we saw last time, uh, we saw that Barnabas went all the way to Tarsus, all the way to Turkey to go and get Paul to come and be part of his team what his thing was, what his passion was. And I'm sure lots of you are like this as well. What I want to do is develop people so they can go and become who God's called them to be. And he knew that Paul already, or Saul as he was, called broadly at that time. Uh, at that stage, but, but he'd had this most amazing conversion. And that uh, sort of 12 years before, and that he'd been called to be this evangelist, to the Gentiles, yet for tw that was 12 years ago. And Barnabas was there, hey, I know this, this guy's got something of God on his life, and I want to see him develop. I want to see him become who, who God has called him to be. And in just a few short verses, that happens. Isn't that wonderful? The point that I'm making is, when we decide to hit the road jack for Jesus, when we decide to go on the journey of discipleship with Jesus Christ, when we decide to say, hey, what God is asking of me, I'm going to try and do that. I want you to know that transformation will happen very quickly in your life. Very quickly. I, I really want you to understand that. You know, it's not a great big uh, period of time uh, for big things to happen in our lives. You know, God has his hand on each of our lives. 
the things which God wants that really only we can do. Because he made you in his image. He, he set you apart for works of service. There's things that he has called you to do because you're brilliant at those things. And when we set our minds to serving God, you will see some huge changes in a pretty short time. Isn't that wonderful? Anyway, that's just a, it, it is important. I was going to maybe put that at the end. But, but um, this, this journey, you and I are called on a journey, not, not just to be followers of Jesus Christ, just going places, but actually uh, as we follow him, that we tell people about him. Jesus wants us and has called us to be people who share the hope that has rescued us. That's the journey that God has called us on. Now, this wonderful journey that's going to bring all sorts of wonderful changes in your life. Amen and amen. Yes. Now, there's certain things which are going to happen in on that journey. And we're going to just, let, just draw your attention to a few of those things today. Maybe they'll help you because you'll be able to look at your own life and say, well, where am I on this journey of following Jesus Christ? Which part am I on? Well, you're going to see lots of, of different bits in this passage. Firstly, uh, Paul and Barnabas, or Saul and Barnabas, they have an amazing opportunity. I don't know if you, you picked it up when I read it before, uh, but they, when they were in Paphos, there they met a Jewish sorcerer. La, la, la. That's not as important, but it will come back to that. Uh, who was the attendant of the proconsul, Sergius Paulus. Now, proconsul, we don't know what a proconsul is, do we? Yes? But you think it's probably quite important. Actually, a proconsul was very important. The proconsul in that time, so Sergius Paulus was a, a proconsul that, that's slightly different to, uh, he was responsible to the Senate in Rome. Previously, that role had been a legate, which I think is quite interesting because we used to have a legate, didn't we? But it became a proconsul. And a proconsul, well, how would I describe a proconsul? Do you know like we have devolved government in the UK? So like the First Minister of Scotland or the First Minister of Wales. Yes, so it's that sort of level. This is a very, very important person. This is the absolute ruler of a certain area. And little old Saul and Barnabas, little old Saul and Barnabas are speaking to the ruler of the entire region. Cyprus, that's where they are. We need to talk a little bit about that if I've got time. Uh, and this is one of the wonderful things that happens when we set out to follow Jesus. You will have wonderful opportunities. Can I have a little amen? Yeah? You'll have wonderful opportunities. Uh, uh, when we decide to follow Jesus, amen and amen. And boy, oh boy, did these guys decide to follow. And th their journey, I don't know if you've, if you've got maps in your Bible or on your, your phone or whatever, uh, you'll see that uh, Saul and Barnabas set out from Antioch. So then they walked from there 
to the, the local port, which was a big Roman port, and it's called Seleucia. That's about 16 miles. That was a day's walk, yes? Then they got in a boat, and they sailed across the sea, and that was 130 miles. Now, we've all been on Condor, yes? And we don't like it, do we? We don't like it. You know, when it's a rough sea, we're not really enjoying that moment. 130 miles, and it was all sails. They didn't have a diesel, did they? They didn't have a diesel. That was a... Now, that could have been a wonderful journey. It could have been a horrible journey, but it was a long journey, wasn't it? 130 miles. There, we read in the scripture here, they traveled through the whole island until they came to Pathos. Well, if you've got a little map there, it's at least 100 miles as the crow flies from, from Salamis uh, to Paphos, and they were traveling through that whole region. So, so if you think that they were basically doing at least 16 miles a day, yes? And it wouldn't have, they wouldn't have gone as the crow flies because they were going throughout the whole island, weren't they? So they were going to all the different communities. They were, they were walking miles and miles and miles, working hard telling people about Jesus, and then walking miles and miles and miles. This is what they did in order to follow Jesus. They worked hard. Yeah, they were... They, they, they followed hard. Amen. When you follow hard, that's a good line. I should have called the sermon that. Follow hard. When they followed hard, then the opportunity started coming. You know, I, you know for some of you, you've made sacrifices to follow Jesus. I'm telling you now, you've made sacrifices. I know. I've given up this, I've given up that. I've, I've, made to, I've decided to live in this way because I want to honor Jesus. Even though lots of my friends and society would tell me to live in a different way, I've decided to live in a way that honors my saviors. Savior, that's a sacrifice that you've made in following Jesus. Jesus says to you today, opportunities come. It's a very special opportunity that, that, that they had. Says he was an intelligent man. Uh, sent the proconsul, an intelligent man, and it says at the end of that passage uh, uh, that he believed. When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. It's not just the fact that he was like the prime minister of of Cyprus that region of that wider area. It's not just that he was the prime minister, but what is really clear in the Bible passage is that this man was the first, or certainly the first that, that Luke, who wrote uh, the Acts, wants us to understand, He's the first person without any Jewish background at all who becomes a full-on follower of Jesus Christ. That's the intention here, yes? It's not just some, some little uh, impressionable person who becomes the first Gentile believer, the first non-Jewish believer. It's actually the, whole pr the prime minister of the whole place. That's the one who becomes the first where uh, non-Jewish 
uh, follower of Jesus. If the, he had absolutely no Jewish background at all, and yet uh, this is the one who turned to Jesus Christ. So I just want you to know, guys, when you make sacrifices to follow Jesus, fabulous opportunities come. Opportunities that transform nations. Isn't that wild? That's, that's what happened here. That's what happened. The prime minister became a believer because somebody chose to hit the road jack or using my new title, follow hard. And that's the same for you. There's no reason why that would change at all. Anyway, we need to press on. Uh, uh, so that happens. But, but also, the main dramatic part of this is this sorcerer, isn't there, who's in this passage. Let me just read that just to refresh your memories. Uh, there they met a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant to the proconsul. So what would happen in that time is obviously very different times to now. You would have people like witch doctors and other people who had various spiritual associations who would get involved in politics. That's, that's what would happen. And this was a very trusted man in, in the proconsuls or the prime minister's um, life. And obviously, when he saw uh, Saul and Barnabas coming and saw how their teaching had this positive and wonderful influence on uh, the proconsul, then he began to fear for his position. And so he was getting all political and, and trying to get in their way. And so this is the, you know, he's a powerful man. So this is the second thing which is, which is so important for us to recognize when we choose to follow Jesus hard. And that is, we will face some serious opposition. He's not just anyone here, he's a sorcerer. And let's, uh, let's make it super clear. Oh, uh, the, we spoke last week about how God gives us the Holy Spirit, didn't, didn't we? Uh, uh, we spoke how important it is that we have the Holy Spirit. We need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. We need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit because of situations like this. Because the very fact that we are preaching the gospel, we call it the light in the darkness, don't we? Yes. So that means that it's in the darkness that we need to be shining for Jesus. That's right, isn't it? It's in the darkness, yeah? It's, it's in where all the bad stuff is. It's when, in where all the evil stuff is going on that we need to shine the light of Jesus Christ, yeah? And, and so, you know, the very fact that we have decided to follow Jesus plunges us into the middle of that. You and I will face serious opposition because of our decision to follow Jesus. You will. But I think to myself, well, I'd rather, I'd rather face serious opposition for that than just the rubbish that happens in life anyway. Because rubbish is going to happen, isn't it, in life? Yeah, rubbish, rubbish happens to everybody. 
I'd rather have rubbish happen to me because I'm bringing light in the darkness. I can have an amen there, huh? Yeah? I'd rather have rubbish happen to me because I'm bringing hope to the hopeless. I'd rather face opposition because I'm bringing life to those that are living in or have died spiritually. You know? You're going to face some rubbish. I want you to make it count, eh? You're going to face rubbish. But if you've decided to follow Jesus, you know, the rubbish that you're going to face, the opposition that you're going to face, yes, is in the darkness, but you are bringing hope and light and life. Amen. Yeah. Ah, I want you to just tell your neighbor, you shine in the darkness. Yeah? Dave, you shine in the darkness. Any update on the football? Still nil-nil. Who said that? It, what, Spain's just scored? Well, you're glad you came now, aren't you? This is where we need to be. The house of prayer. The house of prayer. <laughs> Hallelujah. Was it a lucky deflection? Of course it was a lucky deflection. <laughs> so, you're going to face, uh, you're going to get wonderful opportunities. You're going to face some tough old opposition. And there's going to be some divine empowerment. Now, this is wonderful. So, there's this, this guy called Bar-Jesus. And uh, Saul says this great line to him, doesn't he? He says, uh, you are a child of a devil uh, and an enemy. And it, doesn't he say, you, know, you call yourself uh, 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 Bar Jesus, but you're more Bar the devil. Yeah, you're not son of Jesus, you're son of the devil. And he goes, he goes for him big style. But this is what I absolutely love about this. Is I know he's, he's, he's been empowered by the Holy Spirit. And when you are a follower of Jesus Christ, one of the seals of our salvation is that the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us. God comes to dwell in us. Amen. But in, in our lives, I want you to know that there's special moments of empowerment. I don't know if you've ever had this, but I'm just going to say it as it is. But sometimes... Sometimes when I'm facing a situation, I feel that Jesus prompts me, not just to pray, yes, but he, he prompts me just to take a moment to wait, yeah, and to ask myself, do I feel empowered by the Holy Spirit right now? And, and I do this on a regular basis. I'm facing some sort of situation. I go, oh, let's just wait. And I ask that question, do I feel empowered by the Holy Spirit right now? And the answer that I, I can't think of a situation where the answer's been no. I can't think of one. Maybe if I, if I went for a long walk and really plumbed the depths of my brain. And I might be able to think of one. But I would say in, as, as 
And all the instances I can remember, when I ask God ahead of facing some situation that I feel that I need some extra help in, I ask myself, do I feel empowered by the Holy Spirit? And I wait. And then I say, I do. I do feel empowered by the Holy Spirit. I, f I, I know that the Holy Spirit has given me extra. I know that the Holy Spirit's topped me up or, or given me a quick blast or whatever the, you know, whatever the non-theological term is or whatever the theological term is. I feel that God has been true to his word. He said, I'm going to fill you with my Holy Spirit. I, he said he's going to be with me when I'm, I'm facing trials and trouble and all of that sort of stuff. I will be with you, yeah? And, and in that moment when I'm about to face something and then I ask God and I said, do I feel this? Yeah. I do know that you're with me and that you've given me something extra to deal with whatever I face right now. And I, and I want to encourage you right now. Maybe even whilst you're sat here. Maybe some of you have got some stuff you've got to deal with. Why don't you just ask God? Are you, have you empowered me to deal with this? Can't do any harm. If you're a bit, if you think maybe he hasn't, well, ask him to. Ask him to empower you to deal with whatever you face, whether it's a serious opposition like these guys faced or not. Divine empowerment. Jesus has equipped his church with his Holy Spirit. When Saul... And uh, Barnabas set off. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, it said, what is it? it said the first line, wasn't it? The two of them sent on their way by the Holy Spirit. Isn't that a fabulous line? Yeah. I like the line when uh, Jesus is going into temptation. Do you remember this? Filled with the Holy Spirit. Then he goes off into that time in the wilderness when he's tempted. But he's filled with the Holy Spirit before going off into the wilderness. I want to say the same to you. If you are facing trials, do not think that God has left you to face those trials without his power. If you're facing things that he has, has brought into your path because of your decision to follow him, do not think that you face those without his power. God has called you to hit the road. He has called you to follow hard. He said you're going to have wonderful opportunities. He said you're going to face some serious opposition. He said, I am with you. I've empowered you with my Holy Spirit. Some of you right now really need to pause and ask yourself, have you given me your spirit for this moment? And hopefully you'll be able to either say yes 
or ask for him to do that. I just want to say a little proviso there, and that is that there's another question we need to ask, and that is, have I decided to follow Jesus? You know, have, have I decided to live my life for him? And obviously, that question needs to be answered before we ask about, have I got power for this next moment? And if, if you have uh, decided to follow Jesus, what a wonderful adventure that is. But if you've not yet decided, I just want you to, to make up your mind. Do I want to be a follower of Jesus? I might not understand everything. I might not get it all. I might have a bunch of questions. But I really recognize that I want to be a follower of Jesus, however little I understand. I know that I want to bring light in the darkness. I know that I want to bring hope to those people without hope. And I know that Jesus would want me to do that. Maybe I, I should be a follower of Jesus. And if that's a, a question for you, maybe speak to the person you've come with today. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? Or you can speak to me later. Of course you can. But I just want to finish with this final thing. And that is, maybe I should invite the band up just as we're uh, uh, finishing up. But it is just this, this wonderful um, immediately mist and darkness came over him. I've not even told you what happened in the story. So what happened was the, this man, this bar Jesus, uh, uh, Paul said to him, hey, you're going to be blind. Yes, you've come in against the forces of Jesus. You're going to be blind. And he's he's blinded. We don't, it doesn't actually say how long he's blinded, but we presume that it's temporary blindness. And that's what he's experiencing. But what is fascinating about that, of course, is, I'm sure you all remember this, but when Paul became a Christian, do you remember this? What happened on the road to Damascus? He was blinded. So he was blinded in his own conversion. That All of a sudden, he's facing this, this uh, man who's standing in the way of God's purposes and communicating uh, Jesus, and he says the same thing. He says, you're going to be blind. And what I love about that is Paul's experiences became part of Paul's practice. And this is just a tiny aside. This isn't the point that I want to make, but it, I think it's a really uh, important one that I felt that God wanted me to say today and that is just as Paul's past experiences uh, uh, inform and become part of his, this this experience here where this this man is blinded and then uh, just temporarily just I want to say that that some that lots of us here will have well, we've all got a past, haven't we? Some of those things maybe we regret. 
some of those things we think, oh, maybe they could never be useful in God's kingdom. And, and I want to say to you especially that those things in our past that we regret, that God can use those things and wants to use those things and chooses to use those things as instruments by which uh, hope is brought to other people. God wants to use your past to bless other people's future. Do you get that? He wants to use that brokenness that's happened in your past to bring light and hope and life into the lives of other people. He wants to do that through you. And we see that so clearly and plainly in the life of Paul here. But, as I started saying before, what happens here is that the prime minister of that land or the proconsul turns to faith in God. This Gentile person, this person without any background, this powerful person, this person who's answerable directly to Rome, this person of more influence than we could possibly imagine, recognizes that to follow Jesus is the most important decision they can make. When we follow Jesus, we see not just our lives transformed, as we saw with Paul, but we see the lives of others transformed. We see people's lives transformed, changed, not just uh, cheering them up, not just telling them some jokes, not sending them some memes just to bring a smile to their faces. No, we're talking root and branch transformation in the lives of people who before you got involved in their lives had no hope. But because you chose to be obedient to Jesus, because you chose to follow him, because you chose to be a, a disciple of the King of Kings, people who you didn't know before, People who you'd know course to ever even meet, they too will know the love and the transformation of Jesus Christ. And they will. They will. Their lives will be transformed. Instead of a lost eternity, they'll be going to an eternal reward. Instead of living their lives in in fear and hopelessness. Instead, they have purpose and meaning and hope. And that's obviously because of the power of Jesus. But it's also because you said yes. It's because you said yes. And said, yeah, I will follow you. I'll hit the road for you. I'll go where you lead me. I'll do what you ask. I'll make the sacrifices that you call me to make. I want to be a follower of yours. Thank you for calling me to be a follower of you. Thank you.
even though I'm going to face opposition and trouble and all of that sort of stuff, I thank you for the opportunity. And I thank you for the wonderful Trinity. The people will know you because I say yes. Shall we stand together? Wonderful Jesus. Wonderful Jesus. Wonderful Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of being a follower. We recognize the responsibility. Lord, we see how Saul or Paul, as he became in that passage, and Barnabas, their lives were transformed by following you. And we say, yes, yes, Lord, transform us. But we ask for your help. We must ask for awareness of your Spirit's empowering. And we thank you in advance for those whose lives will be transformed. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Amen.